Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Hey, thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Welcome to our live Texans Jags postgame show. Robert here with Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. And Sean, forget everything else about this game. There's only one thing that matters if you have an NFL football team. You've got a quarterback. The Texans got a quarterback. And this could mean an entire change in the franchise's trajectory. No question. Um, you know, I think uh, that was a declaration that a lot of people made after last week's game and seeing what he did against the Colts. But when you're able to do that and execute, um, make the types of throws, decisions that he made today, and you win a football game, you can definitively say, yes, right now, going forward, the Houston Texans have themselves a quarterback. And, oh, by the way, they may have themselves a pretty darn good football team at the end of the day when you take down the division favorite by a lot at their place in the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was a good day. What a game on all three sides of the football Get in the comments. We want to hear from you. C.J. Stroud, just to put an emphasis on it, 20 for 30, 280 yards, two touchdowns, 118 passer rating, four touchdown passes in his first two games, or first three games, zero interceptions. He is a rookie that is on everybody's radar now. There is no question about it. The NFL, you got to pay attention because – uh, C.J. Stroud is for real. Let's unpack it possession by possession. Sean, let's start off with Texans go three and out to start. Already a little bit tired of the third down screen that goes nowhere. I've seen too many of this in Texans history, but the Texans get lucky on defense. Calvin Ridley drops a great pass by Trevor Lawrence, which should have been a touchdown, and then they miss a 48-yard field goal. And that's really the story of the game, Sean. They shot themselves in the foot repeatedly. Uh, yeah, no question. But um, while you're while they were shooting themselves in the foot, you know the Texans were slowly building momentum and capitalizing on it. My biggest takeaway from this game, um, because I know we got contributions from specific guys that I know we'll talk about, but there's really two words, uh, and Bill O'Brien used to say them all the time, but they never did it under his watch complimentary football that's exactly what you saw today absolutely next texans possession seven play 62 yard drive pierce bangs it in from the one and sean cj to tank dell 46 yard bomb to the two we've been waiting for the deep game to open up there you go yeah that was a beautiful beautiful play man uh tank dell uh, even better throw than it was uh, maybe the catch. You have to give Dell all the uh, props in the world, man. Um, through three guys to able the ability to maintain concentration on that play. I mean, the only thing that would have been better if he would have just somehow found a way to get into the end zone. He wound up a couple of yards short, but you give DP uh, his first touchdown of the year, which was a big thing. So I was glad to see that. Yeah, and uh, maybe he gets into the end zone later in the game. Let's let's find out. Uh, give Josh Jones credit on the block to put Pierce in the end zone. Uh, can't give Josh Jones credit for a lot of stuff uh, the last couple of weeks, but uh, definitely made a nice block there. Next, Jags possession. Jags shoot themselves in the foot on third and short. ETN falls down on the handoff, so the Texans get the ball back, but on third and five near midfield, 
Josh Jones gets knocked five yards back by his defender who hits Stroud as he throws. Wouldn't really matter, though, because the Texans with an illegal shift. They got to get rid of those. Jags next possession. They drive into field goal range. But Will Anderson, he's doing his J.J. Watt thing. He blocks the 51-yard field goal. Yeah, he came up with a huge, huge play there. Um, man, he almost caught that darn thing, too. And then he had a chance to scoop and score himself, just couldn't come up with it. But that was such a huge possession because, um, you know, prior to that, you mentioned it, the Texans kind of doing what the Jags did to themselves all day and shoot themselves in the foot with a bunch of false starts and, you know, the illegal motion uh, forced to um, forced to punt the ball there. Texans make another defensive stand despite some fundamental mistakes. Henry Toa Toa, just an exclamation point at that point in time for me. Just a missed tackle. He should have destroyed the Jacksonville Jaguars ball carrier on a bubble screen pass to him. Then the first quarter ends, and the Texans kind of clamp down a little bit, force a 51-yard attempt, and Anderson just executes. Yeah, we're going to keep it mostly positive, but Toa Toa, I, I rewatched the game last week, Sean, on Friday. Man, he was terrible. And he was terrible again in the first half of this game. Uh, you just, you, you got to think there's got to be some linebacker out there on a waiver wire, on a practice somewhere, somehow. There's got to be a better linebacker yeah. than Toa Toa. He is not an NFL linebacker. Sorry. Yeah, no, not right now. Uh, hey, we got a message that says, ring that victory bell. I don't have one, but I'll do this one. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, man, you want to keep it positive, you get that dub. So that makes you feel good. Texans take advantage of the block field goal. Go seven plays, 41 yards, four-yard touchdown pass. Stroud to Brevin Jordan. Sean, just yeah. great decisions and laser-accurate throws by Stroud on that entire drive of the whole day, really. Uh, the whole day, there's no question about it. Um, and that's that's what makes you say what we did to start the show. You've got a quarterback. He made some next-level throws today, one particular. Um, you know, we already talked about just threading the needle through three defenders, finding Dell 46 yards down the field uh, that set up the DP touchdown. But another one that wasn't made, um, that really sticks out as a great, great throw. And I think it was on a third down. He just threads the needle to Nico Collins on a little uh, dig route, or maybe it was a, a crosser or a seam, I can't remember. But he just comes free behind the defender, and it hits him right in the gut. Nico can't come up with it. Um, it was those throws that solidified it for me. And, it, again, it feels better that you got the win. It feels better when you're able to do what they did today in the red zone and get some points on the board and things like that. But he's he's legit. It's going to be really, really fun to watch him uh, throughout the rest of the season. I'll say it again. Get us, uh, get, get, get us some uh, questions. Get us some comments. We want to hear from you as uh, we progress with the postgame show. The Jags shoot themselves in the foot on fourth and three, a completion wiped away on illegal use of the hands. So the Texans on offense start with the Kendrick Green false start was called on Josh Jones, but that was definitely green. So he does not get the blame right there. Stroud tried to squeeze one into too tight a window on third down. But Sean, how about the defense coming up with a big play late in the half? Eric Murray jars the ball loose on a pass to Agnew. It, it cannot be overstated just getting Eric Murray back because, you know, they missed him a lot last week after that concussion. And our guy, Blake Cashman, with the recovery. Yeah. Uh, before you even got to that, uh, 
Stephen Nelson had really good coverage on uh, Ridley to force a third and 10. And then you saw that Murray and Henry Toa Toa sandwich uh, where Murray forced that fumble of Agnew. Um, and Texans, you know, got pretty good field position, I think, out of that. Started around their own 35-yard line. But that's kind of where you started to, to see, for me, like the culture of what D'Amico had been talking about since day one of him taking over is – you know, fast, physical, fundamentally sound football. And it kind of all started to come together. And oddly enough, it took an encroachment call on Heinish to start that drive <laughs> for the Texans uh, to get to that point. But you kind of started to see things come together there. Lawrence was under pressure. He had to scramble a little bit. Cashman, you know, guys that you wouldn't anticipate uh, making plays made plays today as well. Yeah, game balls, according to Joe, go to D'Amico, CJ, Tank, Will, and a guy that we're going to get to in a little bit named Beck. Uh, he's not a loser, baby. Uh, so uh, let's go to Stroud with a beautiful one-minute drill. Nine plays, 56 yards, a last-second field goal, big completions. Man, he spreads the ball around, Sean. Woods, Tank, Schultz, and Nico. Yeah, it was beautiful. Um I don't remember, you know, Collins wasn't involved really in the offense in terms of being a, a, a target by Stroud, but, you know, he comes up uh, with a great play there and he got 15 yards after the catch to set that 28 yard field goal up. Obviously, again, you'd like to get, you know, four more points on the board, but those kind of just angry, hateful, intentional runs after you make that catch what we've seen from Collins through the first three games is not something you saw at all from him in his first two seasons with the Texans. And there's a reason for that. Bobby Slowick recognized something in Nico and Nico recognized something within himself that he didn't maybe think that he was capable of, or even thought about being used in this way as not just a boundary receiver, not just somebody that could take the top off of the defense down the sideline. You got to have a freaking quarterback to get to do the ball uh, in the first place. Now that you do, but Slowick also recognizing, man, we can utilize this guy's six foot four big frame. He's strong. He's hungry. He's tough, physical. He can make some plays happen in the open field as well. You saw it there. Yeah. And, and, and a key part of Nico getting run after catch, real simple. You got a quarterback that knows yep. how to lead a, a receiver, and and that's one of CJ's you know big benefits. We didn't see it with Davis Mills, obviously. No question, no question. By the way, yeah, I took note of this, and I'm sure the numbers lend itself out for the totality of the game to look pretty damn good as well. But at the first half, at the end of the first half, Texans had converted five of their eight third down opportunities, were two for two in the red zone. Meanwhile, defensively, they held to held the Jags to just one for six on third downs. A complete flip from what we saw from this Texans offense and defense, particularly last week against the Colts. That's again where I say Bobby Slowick starting to get a grasp of his personnel offensively. But finally, finally, you know, it being reciprocated a little bit by this offensive line, which, you know, they tried to kill a little momentum themselves with these silly false starts and, you know, uh, illegal motion penalties and things like that. But it's, it's starting to come together, I think, for Slowick. And certainly defensively, those guys did not let D'Amico down in the first half. They executed very, very, very well um, in totality. 
What number am I holding up right now, Sean? What does that say? Zero, man. Zero. Are, are you an Oregon fan now? What are you doing? I'm, hold, I'm holding up zero because that's how many sacks that C.J. <laughs> yeah. Stroud had today. Thank you, offensive line, for a Incredible. remarkable 180 turnaround. Incredible. I, I can't believe There's so many things. Like, uh, what, what do you take away from this game, Johnny? I don't know. There's too many. Like, I, I legitimately need maybe more than two hands to tell you all of the positive things, like, that were pertinent and key um, that led to the success that the Texans had today in all three phases of the game. And it didn't look like it was going to, you know, be that way in the early goings of this this football game today. But fighting through adversity, doing it on the road, doing it against a divisional opponent, and probably playing the best football, the most complete game that this organization and its fans have seen in maybe three and a half, four years' time. Third quarter, Jags on a seven-play, 67-yard drive. Sean, uh, what did you think of the pass interference on Jimmy Ward in the end zone? I saw some people on Twitter X or whatever that they were not too happy about that. No. And I, I agree with all those people. I said it myself on Twitter, what little I was actually on it today during the game. I mean, that was just an incredibly BS call uh, soft to me. It was well-executed coverage uh, by Jimmy Ward and look, he, he stood his ground after he made that play. He was doing a little finger wag and stuff like that. Probably, Hey, don't throw on me. Uh, but also, Hey, that's a BS call. Don't call that on me. Uh, both would have been true. Um, it, it happens, you know, it went both ways today, to be honest with you. I thought the referees missed some and made some, uh, uh, unwarranted calls for both of these teams. Texans three and out after Nico drops a perfect pass into a super tight window. You talked about that a little bit earlier, Sean, the Jags drive down for a field goal, cutting it to seven points. But then I remember you telling me, Sean, you said right before kickoff, you said that Andrew Beck. He needs to be our main return. Get the ball to Andrew Beck on a kick return. Hey, freaking <laughs> Mike Boone, you know, he got so lucky there that Beck was able to come up with that ball after he'd fumbled it. Boone would have caught them hands after this game if if Beck didn't get that ball. Um, you got to let – he's back there for a reason. You got to trust your teammates. I know Boone wanted it. He thought he was going to be in position to come up on that ball. Beck wanted it. Uh, good thing it worked out for him as he just I, I don't he didn't really switch gears like for him to go as lateral as much as he did to even start that run like for him to just kind of like glide I think is the word that Chris Myers used on that kick return for the touchdown and went 85 yards it was incredible I mean just same speed all the way down that right sideline it was a, it was a beautiful thing to see man didn't expect a fullback to make those those two moves right at the beginning. I mean, he broke the, I think it was the kicker's tackle, and then he had one more tackle at the end. Uh, mm. They couldn't get him by the shoot tops, but. Oh, he, blew, he, he broke. Well, he made three guys miss right off the bat. Too, right, yeah, yeah. That's what I wanted. To, that's what I was saying, which was yeah. incredible. That was the incredible part, that right at the beginning, what he did was just those first couple. And then, you know, they had a sort of a three stooges thing happen with half of their return <laughs> team running into each other, uh, which helped you out. But, you know, back. Haven't been happy at times with the way uh, we used him to run the ball, for instance, uh, down by the goal line last week and the way Slowick used it. We finally found a way to use Andrew back, use him in a kicking game because the other kick returners, you know, aren't doing a whole a hell of a lot. And by the way, this is the first Texan kickoff return for TD since Tremont Smith against 
the Jacksonville Jaguars where in Jacksonville? Same thing. That's pretty good. And Tremont was pretty good at doing what he was doing uh, when he was a member of the Texans in the return game, too. Uh, again, look, you got those you got those guys back there for a reason. And if there's any coach, aside from D'Amico Ryans as, you know, the guy defensively, if somebody's on the field, uh, special teams wise, I trust in Frank Ross that they absolutely belong, you know, belong there. And um, Beck, you know, he's he looks the part, you know, in terms of a uh, the the fullback type, and I guess if you would have asked me, gun to my head, who's most likely to do that among the least likely guys you think would between Andrew Beck and Dalton Keene, I probably would have said Dalton Keene because the guy just he looks like a baller. But I was happy for Beck, man. He can sling that you know those golden locks around all he wants to now, and uh, Texans aren't going to bat an eye. They're just going to wait for it to happen again next time. Yeah, it's funny because you would think a block field goal might be your biggest special teams play of the game, but instead it's a fullback returning a kick. Biggest defensive play of the game? No question in my mind. Jags next possession, Blake Cashman. When they're trying to make that comeback and they're trying to get back in the game with the Texans, Sean, with that interception, he's diving. Incredible interception. Yeah, and look, he had two in the preseason. Um two in training camp. I don't know if he made one in an actual preseason game. He might have, but Blake Cashman looked really good at linebacker. And then, you know, had to start the year kind of battling a hamstring injury. I think it might've even kept him out of the last uh, preseason game against the saints, if I'm remembering correctly, but guys healthy now and making plays. And to be honest with you, um, he's been as every good of a linebacker that should be out there. If you're going to, Talk about guys like Henry Toa Toa as a rookie, Christian Harris, what he's doing. Even I thought he had a better game today once he kind of settled in. Looks much better against the run than he does in coverage. Uh, just, just still too hesitant there. But that Cashman interception, you got to talk about this. What led up to it? The Texans got a pass rush and made Lawrence get rid of the football every time before that. They dialed it up on first and second downs after that Jacksonville timeout or it was a Houston timeout, one or the other, when Jacksonville had the first down on their first two plays, they dialed up more pressure on that one, and Lawrence had to get rid of it. Cashman made a great play on it, and what what was the best part about that? It was literally right on the heels of Andrew Beck doing what he did in the return game. It was beautiful. Yeah, Blake Cashman, two pass defenses, uh, six tackles, three solo, the interception, of course, a huge game for him, like I said, but also – Will Anderson, I, I'm just going to get your thoughts because he just there was just one QB hit. You know, we already talked about the block mm-hmm. kick. Now, that, that was a big deal. But you, I still want to see a little bit more from Will Anderson imposing his will a little bit more on the passing game. It just it didn't feel like he was making Trevor do much to get rid of the football most of this game. He had four tackles, well, three, three solo. Go back and look at it. I'm going to do the same thing because of something Matt Burke mentioned earlier this week. Uh, on Thursday, in fact, and he was asked about Will Anderson, you know, um, kind of being neutralized against the Colts last week and what he wants to see from from the rookie. And he'd said, hey, man, you know, I I call it like the and one stuff like, you know, we can we can, you know, remember the plays where he's doing the spin move and, you know, ripping through somebody and, you know, making a sack and a great play in the backfield. But he wanted to see Will Anderson today. And I noticed it a little bit. And I'm going to go back and watch this with full intent of just watching him and how he attacked that offensive line and, and his duties as an edge rusher. 
He wanted to see more of a fundamental approach. Instead of making the and one spin moves, trying to get around somebody and do all this flashy stuff and hit the edge, he wanted to see him take on a full body and push them into the backfield and dominate and just grind it out, have those grinded out type of plays that open things up for his teammates. And I even asked Will Anderson about that philosophy this week. And Anderson, what reminded me of it is I remember Anderson talking about it. I think it was his junior year at Alabama. And um, he, he, he said like, you know what? He was asked about this, dude, you know, your numbers are way down in terms of pressures and quarterback sacks and stuff like that. Does that frustrate you at all? And he said, no, absolutely not. It doesn't frustrate me. It just opens up my teammates and their abilities to make plays as well. I'm happy doing what I'm doing so long as we're executing as a defense. And I remember that this week, that's why I asked him about it, and he said, yes, it's very similar. I want to work on the fundamental stuff and open things up for my teammates. And what did you see today? How many times did you see Malik Collins in the backfield get a quarterback hit? How many times did you see, uh, you know, Kurt Heinrich get a little bit of a push um, and, and, and flush Lawrence out the pocket or make him step up? It's those kinds of things that I think Matt Burke, D'Amico Ryan's really are preaching at this point to Will Anderson, who, look – it's innate, probably feels a little bit of pressure when he doesn't have a good game or a good series, feels like he needs to do something extra. I think you're going to go back and look at that film today and, and see that he probably grades out very well because he executed the fundamentals defensively. Yeah, uh, Stroud, next drive, leads a 10-play 41-yarder. Dalton Schultz drops a touchdown pass. I need you to catch some passes, Dalton Schultz, for the money that you're making. Second drop in two games but they still put three on the board. Adam says, Sean, check this out. Tank Dell, after three weeks, Tank Dell, Nico Collins, and Robert Woods each have 15 receptions. You have three guys spreading the wealth uh, there with C.J. Stroud, utilizing that entire receiving core. And we talked about it, but man, I looked in the first half. He had nine throws, nine completions, I should say, to seven different receivers. Yeah, there's there's no question in um... – it kind of reminds me going back and uh, when I was observing training camp, you know, they they seem to kind of have like days, right? There was a Nico day. There was a tank day. And for a while there, it seemed like he was doing something special along with Nico every day. But they made a concerted effort to just kind of see what each one of these guys had. I remember there being like a Noah Brown day, a Brevin Jordan day. Uh, and. It, those those practices in camp mean something. You know, you get an opportunity to see what everybody can do because at some point in time during the season, you're going to find matchups in which you can exploit. And with these route concepts in this offense from the Shanahan tree that, you know, now Sloak's putting his uh, thumbprints on, um, I, I think you're seeing that kind of come together. And look, when you have the success and you – you can almost say at the end of the day, you know what? It doesn't matter where the ball is going because that dude's going to make a play, whether it be Robert Woods, Mr. Money on third downs. Um, you know, we'd seen Tank Dell's ability to be able to do that and create space. Nico be able to create space, having these dump off options for Stroud, whether it be Damian Pierce out of the backfield or a tight end. Uh, these options are there, but it's credit to this offense and the route concepts um, from Bobby Slowick. You have to you have to give him uh, the tip of the cap there as well. Jags respond with what I thought was a little bit too easy of a drive. Six plays, 75 yards in less than two minutes. Needed to tighten it up a little bit there. But, Sean, CJ, next time he gets the football, reads the blitz perfectly and finds who else 
who else? Throw up your H's. Tank Dell, 68-yard touchdown. You know what set that up for me uh, was Damian Pierce. Uh, I don't know what the final rushing numbers are today. I have to imagine they're much, much better than they were last week against the Colts. But, you know, up to that point, up to that drive, you know, Pierce had a couple of really good runs. And I think I think that is set up because of the Texans' ability today. It's easier to do it when you have a lead, but it's also easier to do it when you've got guys busting their ass during the week trying to figure things out how to improve a run game. Texans ran it back with the offensive line they had last week. You don't feel good about it going in. Damian Pierce and Danny Barrett, his running back coach, um, it was pretty interesting what I'd learned a couple of days ago in talking to Damian in that he'd gone back and studied film that, you know what, I'm setting up about seven, seven and a half yards from the line of scrimmage. Maybe I need to take a step back and that's going to help me become more patient instead of slowing down, literally slowing down. Let me take a half yard step back and let those blocks set. I think you saw a different Damian Pierce today because of that. And these big play opportunities don't happen unless there is a small threat of the run, unless you're thinking twice about that. Damian Pierce had a hell of a strong run on first and 10 on that drive you're talking about. Then uh, he pressed the hole on a second and eight, cut it back to set up that third and three. Stroud to Dell, 68-yard touchdown. That happens. What are you going to do with third and three? You're going to run the ball? You're going to pass the ball? It's that millisecond of doubt from those linebackers and defensive linemen and even the guys in the secondary. You're thinking, man, do I need to come up? There was a miscommunication, you know, in the secondary and a beautiful route concept on that bunch set that Slowick loves to run, and I hate it when it's not blocked right, but it was. And, again, just on-the-money throw from Stroud and an even better catch-and-run from Tank Dell on that to, to really step on the throat and solidify that game for the Texans. Damian Pierce, really, it wasn't all that spectacular. But then, at the end of the game, when – the Texans are trying to run out the clock, and you know they're going to give the ball to Damian Pierce. All of a sudden, Sean, it looks like Damian Pierce is like 2022 Damian Pierce. You know, he's running over people. Offensive line also helping him out some too. But yeah. that that looked like vintage Damian Pierce, the one that we've been waiting to see. And maybe just it, it needs he needs Jacksonville to bring it out of him. Yeah, I, to be honest with you, man, I, I saw it all day from Damian, and I, I was I was keyed in on that. I was looking at where he was lining up all day. Um, he just had that extra little bit of juice to him today where he wasn't freaking going down. If it was lowering his shoulder, if it was sticking a hand in the ground, if it was, you know, like I mentioned, pressing the hole before he cuts back, um, there ain't a back on this team better at a freaking cutback than, than Damian Pierce. I mean, that jump cut that he makes is just – it's fast – and as soon as he gets a toe in the damn ground, he's up the field. Um, I, I noticed a different Damian Pierce today, and I, I'm interested to talk to him about it. I know people will catch up with him today after the game. They probably already have. I'd love to hear his response if somebody asked him the question, like what attributed to your different running style and production today. I guarantee he's going to probably go back and say, hey, it was where I was lining up. Um, even though last week he did mention, you know what, we were seeing the same results anyway. It's just, you might be seeing the same results, but you give a dude like that an extra half yard of momentum and ability to think and process of what he's seeing from a defense, 
that can make all the difference in the world. And today, I think it's a major step in the right direction for not just Damian, but this offensive line. Slowick said it himself. Continuity has suffered because of the injuries. And, you know, he's trying to figure out what he can and can't do with these linemen that he's putting in these situations. This is a hell of a building block game when you can point and see a big fat zero next to Sachs and C.J. Stroud's name. And I guarantee you, Damian's going to go back and look at this game. And they, they, it wasn't perfect. They missed some holes. They missed some cutbacks. They missed some blocks. You do it every game because the defense executes better than you did sometimes. But this is going to be a stepping stone game, I think, for the run game and in terms of the protections and what Slowick feels like he can and can't call going forward. So you you tell everybody just ignore the stats for this game for Damian Pierce because it was only 14 carries, 31 yards. I don't yards. know what they are. What What is it? 14, 14 carries for what? 31 yards, 2.2 yards a carry. His yeah. longest was 10 yards. Man, I, I tell you, I just – I don't give a damn uh, because 14 and 31, 2.2, it felt different to me. Um, it looks some of those shorter runs, look, he had – I think he had uh, a first down run for just the second time all season, you know, on a first down today. Um Two straight games of 10-yard runs. It's it's not Damian what you saw last year, okay? But to hell with last year, for better or worse. Uh, for better and worse, I should say. It's a new year. I'm just telling you, you go back and look at Damian. If you need to look at it again and you don't believe me, um, he looked a hell of a lot closer to the dude that you saw last year. Didn't yield itself out in terms of yards. And I know that's what people, all they care about. And it's some, you know, in some regard, you're right. You, you need to get the results. But this is a good stepping stone game for Damian Pierce, I think. And uh, the proof should be in the pudding just in terms of the types of protection they gave C.J. Stroud. And I think a pretty damn well-balanced called game for Bobby Slowick. You threw it 30 times, you ran it 26 times, and you didn't take any sacks. You know, no scrambles. Maybe the one from Stroud and it went for 11 yards on a third and 19, I think it was. Um, I think overall a really, really good result in that in that facet of the game. Get in the questions before we take off. Uh, we're going to be leaving here in just a few minutes. But, Sean, one thing I wanted to bring up, this game was a big take-the-heat-off-of-me game for one Nick Casario. After the Stingley injury in the middle of the week, you look at that draft pick, it looks like he totally screwed it up, knowing that the guy had a hard time staying on the field. And in two years with the Texans, He's having a hard time staying on the field. They're going to miss him for at least four weeks with the hamstring, maybe longer. And then, you know, you, you don't have Kenyon Green, your other first-round pick from, from that year. There's no Jalen Petrie in this game, although you, you would think Jalen Petrie is going to be back soon, and, and that obviously looks like a much better pick. Uh, John Mechie did have a, you know, have a catch in this one, so that was good to see. But really, that, that draft class last year looks terrible. Draft class this year – is, is saving his butt. And if Juice Scruggs was out there, man, he'd be sitting pretty because between Will Anderson, Stroud, Tank Dell, and Juice Scruggs, you, you really got something. Yeah, you know, and you can't crush him for guys getting injured. Um, you know, it's it's still one game. It's one win. It's a big win, divisional, on the road. Um, it makes you feel a hell of a lot better about a lot of things. Um, we just went over a number of them, but certainly quarterback is probably number one. Um this was a big week because of all the injuries and everything that you mentioned. I just kind of take it in a different direction because, look, Casario is going to be under the gun, and rightfully so, uh, for the foreseeable future until his dudes are on the field healthy and they can show that they can produce and sustain it. But this was a big week for the Texas coaches, Texans coaches. Injuries, not a damn thing you can do about it. Now, 
you've had nearly a 50% turnover in roster from last year to this year. You kept certain guys for a reason, and you went out and got certain guys for a reason. Some of them are healthy, some of them ain't healthy. Doesn't make a difference. You have got to coach them up. Whether it be D'Amico, Slowick, the offensive line coach, Strouser, across the board, you got to coach these guys up. And I think it's pretty darn evident today that as much as we said, and it was right last week, that Shane Steichen outcoached D'Amico Ryans and really that entire staff, they flipped the damn tables on uh, Doug Peterson and the Jacksonville Jaguars today. The Texans outcoached them. They out uh, played them in almost every facet of the game. And I, I thought it was I thought it was just the most complete game by far, maybe in maybe beyond four years, if you look at the totality and really maybe the little nuances. I I, I know we're kind of up against it, but I want to go back to one uh, particular play that happened and I'm going to see if I can find it in my notes but it was on the heels of a Texans uh, offsides call and I think it could have been the encroachment from Heinish but I don't want to misspeak but nevertheless just hear me out here Texans were offsides and it gave the Jacksonville Jaguars like a, uh, a, a second and one or something like that D'Amico Ryans, and I'm going to give him credit for this because I just I think it had to come down this way. Jacksonville tried to go hurry up, get back to the line, and get those yards quickly. D'Amico had, a, had the D-line change a call. And right before Trevor snaps the ball, they shift right. And that drew the offensive line on a false start. They jumped across the line. I think you have to credit D'Amico for that. That is a heads-up play saying, damn, we just put ourselves behind the eight ball again. And it was a game. I think it was when the Texans were only ahead 10 and Jacksonville had gotten the ball back. And to me, that's D'Amico saying, man, we got to get those five yards back. We're going to do it this way. They can do it to us. We're going to do it to them. And that's just the game within the game kind of a stuff. And so I think you got to give D'Amico credit. I've talked a little bit about him, you know, struggling with the pulse on some of these games and not playing the chess game instead of playing just checkers. Today, I thought he won that, uh, you know, battle within the the war type of uh, thing, if you want to go that route. And so I think it's a huge stepping stone for for the Texans, not just C.J. Stroud, not just offensive line, but really for the coaches as well. Yeah, huge thanks also for getting the comments. Aurelio and Jalen, we posted some of those up there as as uh, Sean's been talking, uh, Joe as well. Uh, Sean, you, you, you can't uh, say it enough. Tank Dell has already turned into a game changer. I mean, everything that we yep. saw in camp, everything that we were hoping that he would be, five catches, 145 yards, a touchdown, nearly another touchdown. Remember last week, he had a touchdown. He also had a touchdown taken away because of a penalty. He would have three touchdowns over the last two weeks if, if you had all of it put together. Uh, just that that's a game-changing type guy. And those are the guys that help you win, you know, win games, win playoffs, all of that. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, somebody tweeted out a uh, little chart earlier today showing the uh, pay or salary disparities amongst position groups, Texans versus Jags. And two of the biggest disparities was at wide receiver and linebacker. 
And mind you, this is before the game. And I'm thinking, you know, pretty uh, sarcastically and cynical of myself, like, you know what? The Texans are going to lose that battle nine times out of 10 with both of those position groups because, well, nobody anticipated or expected anything, and maybe rightfully so, from the wide receiver group this year. And certainly the linebacker core, yeah, they played better today. You know, maybe uh, they're getting more comfortable. Maybe it was just something in the scheme. Maybe it was a matchup. Uh, kind of a thing that led to them having the advantage a little bit more. Maybe it was just executing fundamentals. I don't know. Both of those, they're going to lose that battle nine times out of 10, regardless of who they face this season. But if there's an underrated element to anything on this team, when you talk about a position group versus another on the opponent, it might be wide receiver, dude. You know, Nico Collins, I through the first two games, is emerged. He's there. Uh, he's not emerging. He's there. He's the number one. And a playmaker, a game breaker, you're seeing it now for two straight weeks. Today is kind of like the exclamation point. That dude could be Tank Dell. Uh, Mr. Reliable, their veteran wide receiver. She's able to stay healthy. You got Robert Woods. I'm anxious to see, anxious to see now if the Texans in three weeks, when they get healthier on the offensive line, if they can begin to utilize the tight ends, that just adds another element to Bobby Slowick's offense and a playmaking threat. If you can get Dalton Schultz involved in this offense, that's going to be a huge, huge game changer offensively for the, uh, for the Texans. And boy, uh, what a difference in third down efficiency. Jacksonville was five of 13 for this one. The Texans were nine of 15 and we've seen a lot of poor third down efficiency from the Texans over the last few years. Yeah, third down efficiency, uh, no question. And look, that's the sign of a good offense is when you're able to, uh, you know, pick up key third downs. Nine of 15 today, uh, you held the Jags defensively one to six in the second half. That's that's complimentary. You know, you've got if your offense is rolling, you want to get those dudes back onto the field as soon as you possibly can. Um, I thought it was kind of like in a negative light a little bit, you know, Andrew Beck returning at 85 yards on special teams, that kickoff return for a touchdown. I was like, damn, the defense got to go right back out there and do it again. You know, it was just a, a pretty lengthy drive prior to that for the Jags. At least it felt like that. Um, but offensively, dude, that's how you know you got a quarterback. That's how you know you got a competent offensive coordinator. That's how you know you have some playmakers is when you're able to execute consistently on third downs and you'll take nine of 15 uh, every day and twice on a glorious Sunday that ends in a dub. Any final thoughts from you? Because my, my final thought is very simple, and I said it off the top, and I'll say it again in case anybody tuned in late. If you have a quarterback in the NFL, this is not a secret. This is not – I'm not – this isn't a revelatory thing. I'm not telling you anything you guys don't know. But, dude, we got a quarterback. We got a quarterback. And Lovey Smith, thank you. Thank you for winning that last game because we might have picked the wrong quarterback if we had picked first overall. We don't know what was going to happen, but we got the right guy, I think, between those two guys, between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Sean, we got the right guy. You know, once upon a time ago, you had yourself a quarterback, but you didn't have an offensive coordinator that was worth a damn thing. Bill O'Brien, Tim Kelly, Pep Hamilton. You've been through an absolute crap fest, you know, for uh, the better part of a decade. I'll, I'll go you one better. Not only do you have a quarterback, but you have an offensive coordinator that understands how to use the quarterback. You have an offensive coordinator that understands how to use the talent on this team so far and hey look it's one game just like last week was 
it was only one game and you're only three games to the season. Hey man, we can only judge what we see that what's what right in front, what's right in front of us. And so far right now, um, complimentary football. Um, those are the two words that I would say, and it means much, much more than what it just used to for Bill O'Brien. It actually means something. It actually worked today. And so I'm looking forward to the next few weeks to see what the Texans team can do as they get healthier, hopefully, and they face some teams that are now in front of them that are dealing with their own types of situations, whether it be the Steelers, whether it be, you know, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, It's trending upward. The stock chart for the Texans is looking pretty solid right now. Well, you could say it's one game for the defense and you could say it's one game for special teams. But C.J. Stroud has been doing what he's been doing all through this process and, and through three games and all of that. And look, he just went into Jacksonville, the favorite to win the AFC South, and he took them apart. He took them apart with a backup offensive line with a bunch of scrubs out there, guys playing out of position, guys not having experience at the positions that they're even playing. You know, you know. look, look at what Josh Jones was doing. This is like his second game in his life he's played left tackle in the NFL. Kendrick Green, second game in his life he's played guard. And C.J. Stroud was working behind that garbage, and he looked great. There was a reason why there was uh, no C.J. Stroud sitting on the ground, and a lot of it was because of C.J. Stroud. And, you know, just I cannot express it and point to it and emphasize it and put it in quotation marks. We've got a quarterback. Me and Sean, we're going to talk more about this midweek. Wednesday, we'll uh, get you guys up to date on what's going on with the Texans. We'll talk about the Astros pennant race, all of that. We got our special Rockets guests on Monday night on the show, so you're going to want to tune into that. Um, can't wait to, to, for the next Texans game. The Steelers, they are no joke defensively. So this is going to be a test, Sean, coming up. Uh, C.J. Stroud against this Steelers defense. You know, let's cross our fingers that maybe Laramie Tunsil's back by next week. But that that's going to be a real test for this kid, and, and and he can really show some people something if he does something against this Pittsburgh Steelers defense. It's going to be fun. I know this. You have something to look forward to every single week now. Um, and the number one guy is C.J. Stroud. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a great watch. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We appreciate it. Keep up with us every single week. We got shows coming out. We got our live post-game shows. Uh, Love having everybody aboard. Uh, Thanks so much. Thanks again, Sean, and and we'll talk to you again soon. Take care, everybody. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.